the Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland. and good evening everybody it is monday evening a beautiful one at that another one we're having a pretty nice string of monday evenings here in the center of the universe rob with them happy to be with you here in the red zone live on 1029 the mater 102.9 fm 1430 a.m a good evening to our fans listening at the link at both rvasportsnetwork.com and hanovercountysports.net as well as our fans listening tonight on the tune in radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L, which now streams 1029 The Mater, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hope you've had a good week. Hope you had a chance to get out over the weekend, get a little bit of fresh air while you practice your social distancing. We're getting closer. We're, we're Every day, just think about that the positive way. Every day, we're getting closer to getting at least some of the normalcy back, how long it will be until it's fully back. No one can tell, but we'll take every piece uh, that we can possibly get. Uh, Awoke to some sad news this morning, and that was the passing of legendary football coach Don Shula at the age of 90. Uh, Shula, the all-time winningest coach in National Football League history, uh, best known for his stint with the Miami Dolphins, which started, interestingly enough, because of one of the biggest upsets in the history of football. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Before all was said and done, and he retired at the end of the 1995 season, uh, he was number one on the list, uh, 347 total wins, 328 in the regular season, so 19 in the postseason. And, and, and he coached quite a bit of those in the early days, not just with the Dolphins, but also, if you'll remember, as his uh, head coaching stint with the Baltimore Colts. Uh, when there was only three games to a championship, two games, if um, you count back before the Super Bowl era, uh, back from the mid-1960s on. I think the, the the most interesting statistic, though, for Don Shula, and, of course, everybody, when they're talking about trying to compare coaches like you compare players, you look at stats. You, you know, how many championships, how many victories, you know, who did he coach, what did he do, was he successful everywhere he went, if he went multiple places, things such as that. Don Shula coached 33 years in the NFL, and uh, Don Shula had a winning record in 31 of those 33 seasons. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. He came into camp 33 times as head football coach, either with the Baltimore Colts or the Miami Dolphins, vast majority with Miami. And he finished with a winning record all but two seasons out of 33. To me, that is one of the most remarkable accomplishments uh, in coaching history at, at any level, anywhere, simply because of the ebb and flow of sports. And you'll recall with Miami, he came in at a time where they were, uh, and, and no pun intended here, getting their sea legs wet, so to speak, uh, as a new franchise that had been developed, I believe, 1966 or 67 was their first year in the, the old American Football League. And then they were, of course, slated to join the National Football League with the merger in 1970, and they did. 
And uh, well, let's see, within the second year of the merged NFL, they made it to the Super Bowl, where they lost Super Bowl six to Dallas. And then they came back the next year, and they went undefeated. And they went all the way to the Super Bowl, where they beat Washington 14-7. And to this day, the 1972 Miami Dolphins are still the only undefeated championship team in the history, the long-storied history, uh, of the National Football League. And, of course, the tradition then began years later that every year in the fall, when the final undefeated team in football would lose, uh, members of the 72 Dolphins, wherever they were, would pop open a, a bottle of champagne, and celebrate the fact that they had gone another year uh, being the only guys at the top of that mountain. Now, over the next few days and already late today, uh, you know all the different websites that cover sports nationally are going to come up with the uh, top tens and comparisons and tributes to Shula. CBSSports.com's already done it and named their top ten coaches of all time. And they have Shula third. Uh, behind Vince Lombardi at one, which I totally agree with. I think Vince Lombardi was the greatest football coach in history, bar none, period. What he did in his body of work and the amount of time that he had uh, and where he did it, if you understand the story of the Green Bay Packers uh, from the 50s into the 60s, is truly remarkable. And I believe he would have done a similar event with the Washington Redskins in the 1970s. Um, had he not tragically passed of cancer in 1970 at 57 years old. So a couple of what-ifs for those of you who are my contemporaries or maybe older. Let me throw a couple of what-ifs out at you in light of Shula's passing today. Number one, what if Don Shula won Super Bowl three? the Colts beat the Jets and Joe Namath? How does that change Shula's landscape And then how does it change the landscape of the NFL? Because everybody looks to that game for two reasons. Number one, arguably the biggest upset in Super Bowl history. But more importantly, number two, it came at a time where the two leagues were coming together and that there were tremendous pressures on the NFL teams to continue to win the Super Bowl, to prove that they were the uh, much better, not just better, but much better league, that it would be years before an AFL team could win the Super Bowl. And they go in and they've got Johnny Unitas, and, and some people called that 1968 Colts team one of the best teams of all time. So I believe they were 18 and a half point favorites going into that game in Miami uh, in January of 1969, and they lost 16 to 7. So what if, number one, what if the Colts had won Super Bowl three? Does Don Shula ever leave Baltimore? Uh, d- d- who, do, who, gets, who gets the Miami job? And are they able to do in Miami what Shula did in Miami in subsequent next, let's say, six, seven calendar years, and that is build a team and win two Super Bowls, one of them with an undefeated team, the only one ever? Okay, then let me throw a second what if at you. And this is just to kind of speculate and think. And I'll probably go home and tonight when I can't fall asleep, I'll just lay down and extrapolate all this and wonder, wow, this would have been incredible because I grew up on football in the 1970s. I I was too young to remember Super Bowl three. I was only 18 months old, so I I don't remember that. The first Super Bowl I remember was Super Bowl seven, Miami, Washington. And I remembered it for two reasons. Number one, I was getting older. I was five and a half at the time. And number two, my brother at the time, older than me, was a rabid, and I mean rabid, Washington Redskins fan. So he was so excited that the Redskins had finally made the Super Bowl. And, of course, they lose 14-7 and history's made with Miami. So what if, number one, Don Shula 
wins with the Colts in Super Bowl three and never goes to Miami. Does Miami go on to win two Super Bowls? Would they go undefeated in 1972? Who would be the person they chose? Because basically after that game, Shula was kind of on the outs in Baltimore and Miami was a good way out for him and it turned out to be a deft and a brilliant move. Now the other what if connected to that and looking at this top 10 list, uh, what if Vince Lombardi did not have cancer? What if Lombardi had another five to seven years in Washington with the Redskins? He turned in the one season he coached them, he turned them from losers to winners. So he already was starting to replicate what he did in Green Bay. Now, George Allen replaced him, and they had a very nice run, and they won one NFC championship and then lost to Miami in Super Bowl Seven. But what if Lombardi coached through 1975 or 6 or 7? And he's in those wars with Dallas and Minnesota trying to get to the Super Bowl. How many Super Bowls does Vince Lombardi get to with the Redskins? And do they win? And do, does Miami and Washington find each other in Super Bowl Seven with Lombardi on one side of the aisle? Who's on the other side for Miami? Just so many incredible thoughts to, 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 to think about and how it would have all changed NFL history. Going back to Super Bowl three, there was a time to where people were thinking, you know, if the NFL keeps slaughtering the AFL in the Super Bowl, we're going to have to come up with some other type of a playoff format, uh, you know, 1970 and, and moving forward so that we have the two best possible teams in the championship. <clears throat> of course, Joe Namath and the Jets uh, rendered all that thinking moot. And then the next year, Lenny Dawson and the Chiefs did the exact same thing, led, of course, defensively by Richmond's own Willie Lanier at middle linebacker with the Chiefs of Kansas City. Uh, so a couple of interesting what-ifs to ponder on this day when we remember one of the greatest coaches of all time, no doubt about it, up on the Mount Rushmore of coaches, if you want to call it that, I think Lombardi definitely is there. I think Shula is definitely there. And then we can have an argument for the rest of the night uh, who might be the other two candidates up there. I know a lot of you right now are screaming, Belichick, Belichick. And I, I know some of you out there are screaming, no, anybody but Belichick, depending upon your point of view of the New England Patriots. Well, we will come back in just a moment. And uh, when we do, we get to sit down with the Director of Athletic Communications, Phil Stanton, going to join us by phone over at Randolph-Macon. Give us an update on what's been going on at the college these last several weeks since the shutdown of sports due to COVID-19. Um, of course, get his reaction and response to the hiring of Lindsey Burke as the new head women's basketball coach. Really enjoyed having her on the show last Monday night. And uh, uh, you see how much interaction he's had with uh, her. And I want to get Phil's take on baseball as well, because if you don't know Phil, Phil is a huge baseball fan, uh, very connected in the college baseball community. But knowing that that season is complete, look a little bit into the crystal ball to see if there's a way Major League Baseball can have any type of 2020 season, and if so, how. So a lot to talk about with Phil's Stanton, and we'll do it coming up in just a moment after this timeout. Live here on 1029 The Mater. Great to have you with us tonight. You are in the Red Zone. We'll be back with more from the Red Zone after these messages. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood and West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. 
Massey Wood and West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood and West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood and West always looks out for your well-being and is working under all CDC guidelines. Need a new duct system? Massey Wood and West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood and West is proud to offer Rheem water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Online at MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-418-0534. 800-418-0534. 800 Back live here in the studios of the Mater. And a thanks to our sponsors tonight, both our friends at Massey Wood and West at 355-1721. Calendars flipped to May. We're going to see some unusually cold temperatures for this time of year. Coming up later this week and into the weekend, they're even talking about the possibility of frost and freeze when you wake up Sunday on Mother's Day. Uh, yeah, can you believe that? But what I want you to focus on is the fact that right after that, we're probably going to get the big bounce and get into warm and then some hot temperatures and you don't want to wait till then to figure out that that air conditioning unit isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. So make sure you give my friends at Massey Wood and West a call. They are following all CDC guidelines. would be more than happy to come out, uh, tune up your system, check it out, make sure it's all ready for summer. 355-1721. And, of course, at MasseyWoodandWest.com. And our friends at We Think in Inc. Your business is still rolling and you need products and services. You need new letterhead. You need this, that. They No problem. They've got it covered for you. And for those of you who are in the nonprofit sector and you're going to need things, you're, you're going to be optimistic about fall and your booster club's going to be ready for the 2020 high school football season. You need a new banner to put up at your concession stand on Friday nights. Get in touch with Chuck and the gang at We Think in Inc. 
for all your printing needs right there in Ashland, right on England Street. Not just a stone's throw from where we sit right now on Ash Cake Road. Well, uh, so glad that this gentleman has offered to join us here this evening to kind of give us an update as to what uh, life has been the last several weeks over at Randolph Making College. Uh, everything came to a kind of a screeching halt in that second week of March that we will never forget. And, and since then, it's had trying to get business done under a new normal. Not quite sure of, of when things are going to, to settle down and, and start to return to normalcy and how do you plan for this and that? How far do you plan out? Uh, it's a lot to, to think about and a lot to uh, consider. And so Phil Stanton, Director of Athletic Communications at uh, Randolph-Macon College, has been kind enough to join us here live tonight on In the Red Zone. First of all, my friend Phil, how you doing? How's it going? You staying safe? Yes, Rob, uh, good chatting with you. Everything so far, uh, you know, has been really good. We've stayed busy over at school. Um, everybody's social distancing, those that are into the office. But, um, you know, just very, very strange time. We get beautiful weather like we had over the weekend and today, and you just wish you had teams playing. Uh, so it's definitely very unusual. Uh, highly unusual because we should have had ODAC action this past weekend, should we not? We should have, yes. Yeah, softball would have been a week ago. This past weekend would have been uh, men's and women's lacrosse. Uh, the first round, the first series in the baseball tournament. And then uh, we would have been hosting the semifinals and the finals for ODAC tennis. Right. And we would have had spectacular weather for them on Saturday and Sunday. So um, it, it's still tough when I get posting anything on the web. Always the first thing that comes up for us is what's called game day, which shows what activities were supposed to be that particular day. And it's always been tough looking on there to see, oh, we should have had a baseball game today. We should have had a lacrosse game tonight. Uh, so it's really been tough seeing that. Wow. I, I'm glad I have. I do not have anything similar. I have to actually go and look to see things that were going on. But there was one date that I knew already in the top of my head immediately, and that was not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before, which would have been senior day for both men's and women's lacrosse. I had that one seared in my mind, and, and I was not a happy camper last Saturday. I will be the first to admit <laughs> Yeah, that really would have been fun having both of them together. The two teams support each other so well, so it really would have been fun to have. I'm sure we would have had a lot of fans, a lot of crossover from each of those sports. No doubt. So, uh, Phil, how much interaction have you had with some of the spring sports coaches? And, and from, from a mental, from a psychological standpoint, obviously they have to deal with their own disappointment of seasons being canceled. But then they have to, to help the student athlete. How much have you been able to communicate with them and, and see kind of what strategies and what things they're doing to, to help them out? Well, I've been going over to the office about one day a week, usually Monday is the day I go over. And I've seen quite a few of the coaches. Uh, they'll stop in periodically to check their mail. Uh, Jeff Burns, the athletic director, has been in most days, so a lot of times they may come in to check something with him. I, you know, I think now everybody has kind of gotten over the disappointment of the season being canceled. I think initially 
there was a lot of almost like grief counseling where the coaches were talking with the student athletes and uh it, it was really tough for them because they were so unhappy with their sports having been canceled but they still had schoolwork that they had to deal with and they had a, a completely different medium that they're now doing everything online versus going to classrooms so they kind of had to get over that quickly um, get over that disappointment of not being able to play anymore and realize that they still had a lot of work to do in the classroom so I think uh, that all the all the teams even the fall and the winter sports are having zoom meetings with their teams they're encouraging them to work out as best they can depending on what the situation is at home uh, so I think the coaches have have been in contact with and, and it's been interesting too that not only are they in contact with the current students but they're in contact with the recruits with the incoming freshmen uh, so that so they've they've been staying very very busy just trying to keep in contact you know with all those current and future yellow jackets yeah because it's so easy to do in a normal circumstance because you meet with them all the time you see them on campus all the time you have practices or meetings and what and now all that's thrown out the window and you've got to figure out first of all okay how am i going to do this from home and uh, i got to download zoom i've never used it and and there's all of these intricacies that had to be kind of thrown together mishmash very quickly very early on um so it's it's made it challenging but you're right the, the communication is what is is so important now you're able help me to differentiate here for for people who are listening you are able as a coach to talk with incoming freshmen who have committed to you correct and is that different from talking to people that you are recruiting that is correct yeah those that have have committed those have have paid their deposit um, they're they're considered in, in the fold, so the coaches can talk with them. Um, I know each sport has different times of the year where they're allowed to talk to pure recruits, and and then times that they can't. Um, so I, I don't know off the top of my head how all that has worked here through April and May, but any of those um, any of those student athletes that are committed. Uh, they are allowed to talk with them. So I know uh, Ray had uh, Ray Hedrick, the baseball coach, had a Zoom meeting. Uh, it actually may have been tonight uh, with his incoming freshmen, and I think just to you know touch base with them, let them kind of interact with each other, uh, and give them an idea too of you know what they want to have them do in terms of, of preparation through the rest of the spring and the summer before you know hopefully they come back to campus in the fall right before they report and get set and get ready to go phil stanton director of athletic communications at randolph making college with us tonight here in the red zone um phil can you give us a synopsis kind of an update on on how the ncaa has handled at the division three level um, those who are student athletes in spring sports, especially seniors who, who you know, immediately the cry went out, you know, they, their season's been canceled. They should be able to play another year if they can. And, and that's all fine and good, but it works so differently in D3 because you're just simply not a D1 scholarship athlete and you can just turn around and come back and, and get your redo. Um, what has the NCAA offered in terms of guidelines? And, and how are you guys kind of proceeding and navigating through this, well, a, a force that you've never had to chart yet? 
Well, the NCAA awarded all the spring sports student-athletes an extra year of eligibility. So each sport is kind of dealing with that individually. I know for baseball, we've got several players that are planning to come back next spring. Uh, Men's lacrosse has a few that are planning to come back as well. Uh, it, it's trickier with Division Three in that uh, a lot of, well, none of them are getting any athletic financial aid. So what a lot of them have to, to wait on their decision is how is their financial aid going to work next spring, mm-hmm. next year? There's some of them that may only need one or two classes to graduate, so they may not be on campus in the fall, but they'll wait and come in the spring. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, how those finances would work. But anybody, um, and and what's going to be interesting, too, is that that extra year of eligibility is not only awarded to seniors, but it's awarded to underclassmen as well. So this is going to be something that coaches will have to deal with really over the next four years because you may have, uh, there, there are a couple really strong freshman pitchers on the baseball team this year that didn't get the innings that, that they would have hoped through the spring um, if, you know, it gets to be four years from now and they've, they've had pretty solid sophomore, junior years, you know, uh, and even into their fourth year, would they look uh, to possibly come back for one more year if they thought there was a chance that that might allow them to be drafted uh, following that fifth year. So uh, it, it's something that that coaches are, are going to have to deal with. There's going to be that trickle-down effect uh, really over the next four years. Uh, no doubt about it. And, and with that, it, it, will the NCAA have to kind of bloat the numbers of who, how many you can carry on a roster temporarily so that we can get through this particular cycle and hopefully this is the only year that we have this situation? Well, for Division Three, they don't have restrictions on the roster sizes. So that's a huge advantage that uh, they don't, uh, Division Three coaches don't have to worry about their numbers. They, they may end up having too many players, to, um, you know, from what they originally had planned. Now, Division One, they are going to have to deal with those restrictions because, like for baseball, they, uh, they have 11.7 scholarships that can divide among 26 players, but then they're capped at 35 on their roster. They're going to allow next year to expand that roster size, but just only on the number of seniors that you have. So, like, I know TCU's got eight seniors, and all of them are planning to come back. So so counting them, they could have 43 mm-hmm. on their roster. But somebody like Arkansas only had one senior this past year so their max size would be 36 so all that will will vary uh for those division one programs and the ncaa hasn't ruled yet on uh roster sizes for subsequent years uh if they have some underclassmen that want to use that extra year of eligibility but fortunately for division three that won't be an issue they uh you know they'll they'll have that potentially could have some larger roster sizes for you know especially for men's lacrosse and for baseball excellent excellent phil can you hold through the break and join us for a few more minutes 
Absolutely. Awesome. Got a couple more questions I want to go over with you in just a minute. We'll take a quick timeout. Phil Stanton, Director of Athletic Communications at Randolph-Macon College with us. We'll take a quick timeout. Be right back to talk more, including May being Mental Health Awareness Month and a program that Randolph-Macon discussed uh, just a little bit ago on Twitter that I want to talk about with Phil and get his baseball thoughts, too. That's all coming up in just a moment. Back here on the Mater after this, you are in the red zone. There's more to come right after this short break. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood and West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. Massey Wood and West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood and West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood and West always looks out for your well-being and is working under all CDC guidelines. Need a new duct system? Massey Wood and West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood and West is proud to offer Ream water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Online at MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. 800-600-9969. That's 800-600-9969. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Monday evening. Hi, friends. Rob with them with you. Uh, having a nice conversation with Phil Stanton, Director of Athletic Communications, <clears throat> excuse me, at Randolph Making College. So, hey, Phil, before we go into the topics I tease going into the timeout, um, how much have you had a chance to talk with uh, Lindsey Burke, the new head women's basketball coach who we had here on the show last week? I have not yet had a chance to talk with her, but we have traded many, many emails, <laughs> and I know that she is very excited about uh, getting down here. I don't know yet what that timetable is going to be, but she's been in contact with all the current players and, and the recruits, and she is trying to uh, get the uh, login and, and password informations for the uh, 
uh, social media accounts because she wants to be able to connect with Yellow Jacket fans on social media as well as have interaction with the with the players and the recruits. So uh, I know she's excited. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to meeting her. I mean, I, I listened to your chat with her last Monday, and she was very, very impressive there. I know Lane at Channel 6 talked with her on Tuesday, and she did a great job there. So I'm really anxious for her to to get down here where we can spend some time with her and, and talk with her. No doubt. Uh, she didn't sound like someone who had just accepted her first head coaching position. Let's put it that way. I was extremely impressed uh, with our conversation last Monday night, which, by the way, is still up on uh, on our podcast site. If you missed it, fans, and want to hear it, uh, you can get it at our podcast site, which is rvasportsnetwork.com podbean which is p-o-d-b-e-a-n.com it's also at the top of the page at both rvasportsnetwork.com and hanovercountysports.net tonight's show will be a podcast up on those two sites uh tomorrow yeah i will tell you this phil i did notice over the weekend that that coach burke got the uh got the twitter account um and and now has uh, rmcwbb on twitter and uh, coach lahey bless her heart she <laughs> She uh, she changed the name of her Twitter account that she had used under the same moniker. She changed it to Atlas Coach LaHaye, but her title she wrote retired coach, and that well, was and that was it. <laughs> I'm sure some other folks probably could have had, uh, you know, maybe some some more flattering uh, handles for her to be able to use, but but that's. You know that that's kind of the way her personality is that she doesn't want to oh no uh you know have the spotlight on her and uh you know i i think she'll she'll be happy to kind of watch things from afar now uh yeah yeah somehow i don't think the title on her twitter is ever going to read 10 times odak bling bling you, you think <laughs> no nah, i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> well, we touched upon this a few minutes ago at the outset, Phil, but, but I wanted to mention uh, the, the main Twitter account for the athletic department late this afternoon uh, sent out the following tweet, and I would like to, to read it out real quick. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. The NCAA is supporting the effort to hashtag break the stigma this week. We look forward to sharing our own stories from here within our Yellow Jacket community. And we begin with stories from women's volleyball and men's soccer. And there are multiple stories in pictures inside the tweet. This will be a great week. If you don't already, to follow them at r underscore mc athletics on Twitter. I know Phil, you know, there's been a a, a huge uh, a kind of push and and change of importance in terms of mental health in the student athletes, uh, especially in the last several years. Um, even from a virtual standpoint, what are some of the things that you guys are going to be able to do to, as the hashtag says, break the stigma? Well, I think the biggest thing is going to be having the student athletes take over and and be able to post things on not only the athletics website but also on their individual sport websites this is an initiative that is really big with the ncaa and the uh individual uh student athlete advisory committees sac s-a-a-c mm-hmm. uh they have different schools have taken this as uh something that they they really really want to push um, through the month of May, athletes can can deal. They understand with physical injuries 
but they're just up till now, uh, or up until recent years, um, there just was not as much, uh, not as much study, uh, not as they just hadn't looked at much in mental health issues. And it's really tough when you think of everything that that the student athletes are dealing with. Um, and I, did you see the story last week about Tennessee's quarterback? No, I did not. Uh, on May the first, he announced uh, since that was the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month, he had planned to commit suicide in January. He had suffered depression and was just at a really low point. And he said, you know, God, if I shouldn't do this, give me a sign. And about five minutes later, his mother called him and just called him out of the blue, uh, you know, just said, hey, thinking of you, um, want to see how you were doing, and told him that she loved him. Mm. And so he took that to be, you know, the sign that he was supposed to keep living. And then he realized at that point, that even though his suffering would be over, how much suffering his mom and the rest of his family would go through. Mm -hmm. So he told this story on May the 1st, since it was the first day of uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. So I think that, you know, there's a a lot of pressure, no matter what level that the kids play on, uh, when they're trying to deal with their uh, sports, they're trying to deal with their classwork, uh, they may be dealing with uh, relationship issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot that they have on their plate. And I think now they, they want to be able to make sure that the kids feel comfortable with being able to get help if they need help, whether they can talk to their coach, whether they can talk to uh, somebody else on campus. But it's, it's, it's really all going to be driven from the student-athletes. So I think that's going to be much more powerful than it would be having somebody from the NCAA or having our coaches do that. Exactly. Or, you know, leading medical professionals, yes, it would, you know, they would lend credence to the message. But when it's peer to peer, it's going to be more powerful. There's just no doubt about it. And I think that's a. Uh, that's a phenomenal way to reach out. Uh, and, and there's a couple of things that come into my mind, Phil, about that. And number one, we as fans need to back off a little bit. Yeah, we love our, our colleges, you know, we love our teams. But, you know, we, we if you want to be mad because, you know, your favorite NFL team, their quarterback didn't have a good game, then, you know, you can be upset about that. And they're going to cash a paycheck. But uh, and not, not you know, the college football team, they, you know, the, the kid's not – getting that paycheck and and as you mentioned there's a myriad of things going on in his life right now not to mention that you're talking about the the transformation period of 18 to 22 which is unlike probably any other four-year period that anyone experiences in their life uh coming out of childhood and coming into adulthood and everything that goes with that for 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 student athletes to know that there are peers out there who a understand and b are willing to help even if it's just be there for them and that's the most powerful message that could be sent. It is, and hopefully that will initiate conversation amongst teammates initially. And then if there needs to be more beyond that, then that they feel like they can go to either an assistant coach or the head coach. Uh, and, and then uh, if they need additional help, that, that there's other places on campus where they can go. 
Absolutely. Well, now, for those who don't know, Phil Stanton is tied in heavily in the college baseball community. And, of course, uh, the, the whole of the NCAA has canceled. Uh, Phil, can you can you quantify to a point how the loss of the College World Series is going to affect Omaha this year? Oh, um, I bet that will – I know with some of the business in the – Businesses in the past, especially when they were down at, at Rosenblatt Stadium, some of the vendors that were around there would do 75 or 80 percent of their annual business during that two-week period. Mm. Uh, I, I've not heard numbers since they've gone into TD Ameritrade Park, but you think of the number of people that are there over a two-week period for um, for the hotels, for the restaurants. Um, just the, the the amount of money that the whole town, the whole area takes advantage of during that two-week period, I mean, that's just a huge blow. And for, for people like me that have been fortunate to go out there and cover it, I mean, it's like a family reunion every year to where you get to see, you know, media members, you see folks from the, S- the NCAA, you see coaches, uh, you know, some of the players that come back. Um, it's it's just you know it's just such a great event uh, and then an additional thing uh, in probably the last at least last three Olympics they've had the swim trials in Omaha at the uh, Civic Center that is right across the street from the baseball stadium uh, so they're going to miss that as well mm-hmm. so there's another you know, group of, of athletes and fans that won't be coming to town. So uh, City of Omaha has been really good. They're, they're similar to Indianapolis in trying to get amateur events to come in since they don't have, um, you know, major uh, professional sports teams. They have a AAA baseball team. Uh, they have a soccer team. Uh, but they don't have an NFL team or a, a Major League Baseball team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and additionally, this year they were going to have the the MLB draft oh, in Omaha. Right. So, the month of June has has changed. Where in January it looked like it was going to be just a spectacular month, and now uh, it's going to be a uh, you know just more kind of an ordinary month. Mm. It's going to be it's going to be tough and, and Williamsport Pennsylvania will experience the same problem unfortunately in August with Little League International's decision last week so two more questions before I let you go Phil one is there a way somehow some way because I think the most underrated college event uh, of the of the calendar year and there's two of them because they're kind of intertwined uh, are, are the College World Series and the Women's College World Series, is there a way that, that that specter can grow to where those sports begin to get the shine uh, that football and basketball do? Will they ever get on the same playing field uh, from in terms of, you know, finances and et cetera, et cetera? I, I, I doubt it. Uh, but is there a way that they can become bigger events? And if so, how do you think it could be done? I think that they have shown a ton of growth over the last really 10 to 15 years i think with with the postseason um for baseball and for softball when they went with the format of having regionals and then super regionals prior to uh creating the world series field Mm -hmm. 
the revenue just grew tremendously. So I know now baseball is one of those sports that makes money. Uh, their their postseason tournament makes money. I don't know if softball does yet or not, but when you see the support that there is, especially through the SEC and the ACC, uh, a, a lot of those places, uh, a lot of those towns have nicer ballparks than a lot of minor league teams play in. Uh, it, people realize that, uh, schools realize that baseball can be a revenue generator through the spring. Uh, I think it's tough. There's not that national um, recognition yet, and I think part of that is is the advantage that the Southeast has and, and Texas, California have in the weather being so good that, you know, good players from the North would rather go and play at Texas or play at LSU instead of playing at Minnesota or playing at Michigan. Right. So it's, it's tougher for some of the Northern schools to consistently have solid programs. But I think that it's getting better. I think Michigan getting to the championship series a year ago really did help the sport. Um, it's been uh, maybe eight years ago that, that Stony Brook and Kent State um, made their way to the World Series. So I think as you get some of those northern teams that are able to break through and get to Omaha, uh, that's going to help. The TV coverage has, has gotten so much better. I mean, ESPN carries games every week uh, now with the uh, SEC network, the ACC network, the Big Ten network. They carry games through the year. So teams that really are fans can follow some of those teams leading up to their conference tournaments, and they're going to have a little bit of familiarity with those players and teams by the time you get to regionals and super regionals. And ESPN continues to expand their coverage with those. Uh, I think for softball to, to improve, they're going to need to, to have more games during the regular season that are, that are televised. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the networks are going to see that there is value, that you know, there's, there's a lot of you know, young ladies that are in grade school, middle school, high school that are playing softball, that they want to be able to watch uh, college players play. So you know, I think that will continue – to grow, but I think that you know it's it's really strong through the southeast and and through the southern part of the country, uh, you know, much more than it is on a national scale. And hopefully, it will grow up north, just like lacrosse is growing down south. Oh, exactly. Well, yeah. it, a lot of the Big Ten schools have have built new facilities. Um, it's tough that a lot of times they can't get into them until maybe the middle of March, where the the season opens up the middle of February, so they're having to go on the road early in the year to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's been interesting. There's more and more of the minor league facilities that are making their their fields available to college teams in February before the major and minor leaguers get there. So it, there is some opportunity that you know some teams maybe uh, Michigan and Creighton can can meet out in Arizona or they can meet down in in Florida and play a three game series in February 
you know, before they're able to play on their home field. On their home fields, exactly. All right, Phil, put your uh, prognostication hat on before I let you go. What, what, do you, what do you think the chances are for Major League Baseball? I'm hearing all different types of proposals, 80-game, 100-game season. Uh, World Series could last deep into November. They may decide to do it at a neutral site because of weather. Uh, and then for minor league baseball, obviously that's huge here because of the flying squirrels. Um, are we are we going to be able, and I, I know it's not going to be under any normal circumstances, but will we be able to crown a World Series champion this year? I think that we will. I think they're going to figure out some kind of format to be able to get at least half a season in. Uh, I had seen today that, that ESPN is going to start carrying some of the Korean baseball league games yes correct i think major league baseball is going to keep a real close eye on how things go there um i I can see initially there there being games uh here in the u.s without fans Mm -hmm. um and then depending on how things go around the country and, and in terms of of local and and state economies reopening I think if, if things go smoothly, uh, you know, I think there, there'll be those opportunities. And it may be that they won't sell out the places, but, you know, maybe they'll have uh, a third or a half of the fans. But I think this is something that, that Major League Baseball is working on, and I'm sure Minor League Baseball is as well. Now, it's, it's a little tougher for them that if they're playing with no fans, they're not having any income coming in unless they're somehow able to work out TV deals. Right. The major league teams, you know, will all have their their local and their national TV deals that they'll have those opportunities for those games to be televised. But uh, I think it's really going to be difficult for the minor league teams to to be able to open up. I think they'll have to wait until their economies allow. And then, like for for the Eastern League. Um, you know, if if Pennsylvania's open, but Virginia's not open, you know, Harrisburg's ready to play, but but the squirrels aren't ready to play yet. So, you know, how how do your schedules work there? You know, who who do you end up playing? So, I think the major leagues will be able to open up sooner. I think the minor leagues, it's it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, I think there's a chance they still may be able to get at least half their season in maybe maybe be able to play in in july and august and again they may they may have those restrictions as well that they you know that you won't sell out the diamond but maybe you can sell half the tickets and you just try to spread everybody out spread everybody out precisely well phil it's been uncharted waters but i know you guys over at randolph making college continue to work very hard to help out all the student athletes and to uh, not only soften the blow of what's happened here in the spring but Hopefully, all systems go. Be ready to get back at it for all the sports come fall, which will be here before you know it. And I am uh, very appreciative of your time this evening to give us an update uh, on what's happening over there with the Yellow Jackets and give us your insight on several areas of uh, other sports as well. Phil Stanton, Director of Athletic Communications. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Rob. I enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. We come back and wrap up this edition of In the Red Zone coming up, and we will have a final thought on the life and the legacy of Gabe Henderson of Deep Run High School. That'll be after this break. You are in the Red Zone. In the Red Zone. We'll take a short time out. We'll be right back. So stay tuned to the Mater. 
When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Helping our local community with updates on businesses affected by the coronavirus emergency. Here is an update. Once Chevrolet in Ashland is open for business, but due to staffing restrictions, they will be closing at 6 p.m. until further notice. The website, LuxChevrolet.com, features online purchase options called Shop, Click, and Drive that enables customers to complete much of the buying process online. Lux Chevrolet encourages everyone to be patient and calm, help and care for one another, and keep our medical care professionals and first responders in your thoughts and prayers. Virginia Cliff Inn at 2900 Mountain Road in Glen Allen is open for business. And if you'd like some information on booking, you can call 382-0500. 382-0500. Both Ferber's Tire and Auto locations in Ashland are open for business at their regularly scheduled hours. In order to operate safely, they have provided drop boxes available at both stores and can take payment over the phone. Ferber's Tire and Auto taking every step possible to keep you and your vehicle safe. During the emergency, Enroute Cleaners, located in the Ashland Junction Shopping Center in Ashland, will be observing limited hours. They'll be open Monday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And they're also offering the service of pickup and delivery for dry cleaning and laundry. Call the store for information, details, and restrictions. 833-5660. 833-5660. AC Wow Tire and Auto is open for business, offering home vehicle pickup, service, and delivery back to your home, payment over the phone, and a complete disinfecting of your vehicle. Office access is closed, so call 798-2552 and schedule a time for your car or truck to be picked up, serviced, and brought back to you ready to go. Rebecca's Natural Cleaning Service reminds you that she's available in Ashland for house cleaning during these times. If you might need someone to take care of your house, call Rebecca at 238-3091. That's 238-3091, Rebecca's Natural Cleaning. Center of the Yarniverse is open by appointment only for your knitting and crochet project needs. They're also offering phone sales and curbside pickup. Call them at 362-7800 to schedule an appointment or shop by phone. Weekly Sit and Stitch groups are now meeting virtually via Zoom. Check their website, centeroftheyarniverse.com, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram for more information. here in the red zone tonight a big thanks again to phil stanton director of athletic communications at randolph aiken college for being with us dan marino earlier this afternoon sent a series of two tweets that read the following coach shula you will truly be missed you embody the definition of greatness you brought that winning attitude with you every day and made everyone around you better thank you for always believing in me you made me a better player and person my thoughts and prayers are with the entire shula family love you coach and that was from Dan Marino reacting to the passing of Don Shula early this morning at the age of 90. And I mentioned earlier in the program there was a connection between Don Shula and Randolph-Macon College. And if you've listened to the uh, final Best of Randolph-Macon College football broadcast, not this past Saturday, but a week ago last Saturday, and you heard the big win over John Carroll, 
in the first round of the 2018 NCAA Division III Championship. Don Shula was a graduate of John Carroll College at the time, now John Carroll University, and the uh, stadium, memory, if memory serves me correctly, the stadium there in University Heights, Ohio, is named after him. So our thoughts and prayers go out as well to the John Carroll University community because I know that uh, Coach Shula maintained a strong relationship with them for 70 years uh, I believe he was a class of 1950 there. It's just a, a phenomenal story as to how someone from there ends up being one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, which proves that someone from, you know, Randolph-Macon and, and an ODAC school can certainly make a big presence as well. Uh, we want to remember one other person who embodied a lot of the things that Don Shula did and just did not get the chance to live the full life to show all the brilliance that was coming out in him. As we were doing this show last Monday, word was beginning to filter out that we had lost Gabe Henderson, the very talented wideout and defensive back for Deep Run High School football. You'll remember last year, Deep Run had their first undefeated season since 2006. They went 11-1 and before falling to region uh, 5B runner-up champion, runner-up Manchester, who fell to Verina in the regional finals the, the week after that. So 11-1 and one was Deep Run's final record. I have been doing high school football here on this radio station since 2002. We've seen some incredible moments and some phenomenal athletes, some that have been drafted to the NFL, signed to NFL teams, have played in the National Football League, have played at high Division One schools. And, but I can't think of very few athletes who I saw twice in one season and I saw the exponential growth of their talent and ability on the field as Gabe Henderson struck me back last November. We had Deep Run on the air against Patrick Henry in September of last year, an early season game, a great game. The Deep Run won by a uh, field goal in the final seconds. And Patrick Henry had a chance to kick one and force overtime and it fell short. And then deep run, we had him late in the regular season, early November at Glen Allen in a game that was pretty important for Glen Allen's hopes to try to get back into the postseason. And, and deep run came in and just demolished them. You could see the, the, the improvement in the team overall, but the one person that stood out, head and shoulders above the rest of the Wildcats that night, was Gabe Henderson. And I remember referencing that with him on that Game of the Week broadcast on multiple occasions and having part of our postgame conversation with head coach Chad Hornick about Gabe and about how he had changed uh, during the year. And, and he spoke glowingly of the leadership qualities of Gabe Henderson. And we talked a lot at the end of the year last year, the deep run had a big quadrant of juniors that would be back and that they would be a highly competitive team this season. But little did we know, Gabe Henderson would not be among them as we lost him last Monday afternoon. It's part of a tragic boating accident up in Lake Anna. So need you to keep some people in your thoughts and prayers. First of all, he was with three friends that day on that boat, three who survived, and they will now go through the rest of their life having to deal with the, the loss of a friend, but the guilt of why did he go and why not me and all of those questions that will be asked. Obviously, the deep run football and deep run high school communities need to be kept in your thoughts and prayers. Gabe's mom and their family need to be kept in your thoughts and prayers. Um, and on top of that, uh, it needs to be done in a way right now to where a lot of people are just not able to grieve and mourn and help each other out in a normal way. You can't just go to somebody's house and give them a hug. 
Um, we, we have to deal with this in a much different manner. So yeah, we navigate this. I want you guys to, to, to just think about what we were able to see out of Gabe Henderson on the field. Uh, there's a lot that we should have seen beginning this fall that we will not. Um, William & Mary, VMI, Navy, among others, were looking at him. I really think he was going to have a breakout season that other Division I schools would have been calling. Uh, it's a tragedy. It's always a tragedy when we lose someone at 17 years old. And uh, we want to dedicate this show, and we will dedicate the 2020 high school football season coverage that we have coming up this fall. And we're confident that that will happen uh, to Gabe Henderson and the incredible talent that he showed. I'm just so sorry that we won't be able to see him back uh, in 2020 and beyond. He was a very special kid, and you could tell he was a leader on that team. Uh, he will now lead from the stars, and I know he'll be looking down on his friends come this fall and beyond. Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight. Thanks to our sponsors, of course, uh, our friends at We Think It Inc., our friends at Massey Wood and West at 355-1721 or MasseyWoodandWest.com. Calvin Cecil, the producer, Phil Stanton, our guest tonight. Appreciate it all, of course. Back with you next Monday night for another edition of In the Red Zone. Have a good night, everybody. I'll talk to you at 9 for Party of Two. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.